Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. Tonight I want to continue in this this stream, this theme that we've been going here for quite some time regarding spiritual roots of disease and healing and deliverance. And tonight I want to talk to you about spirits of accusation. Yeah, spirits of accusation. We're going to get rid of a bunch of them. Isn't that a good plan? Hallelujah. Would you open your Bibles, please, to Revelation. The book of Revelation, chapter 12. As always, I want to credit Henry Wright for so many of these insights God has given him that we are sharing with the body of Christ at large. So we're going to look at the book of Revelation. And please notice it's Revelation. There is no S on the end of it. It's one of my little pet peeves. People talk, the, is, the name of the book is the book of Revelation, right? <laughs> of Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at chapter 12, starting at verse 9. It says, And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who was called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, hallelujah, he who accuses them before our God day and night. Day and night. One of Satan's names is accuser of the brethren. And he doesn't just do it once in a while, but he is day and night, all the time, coming to God, accusing, accusing, accusing. The word accuse means to call to account. It means to find fault. It means to blame and to bring formal charges. So he's coming before God, and he is pointing the finger at you and at me, and he is accusing us to God day and night. Day and night. And you know, he's pretty relentless in that. But thank God, time's coming where he is getting thrown out and thrown down and taken care of. It says in Matthew twenty-seven thirty-seven when it talked about when um, Pilate had... Jesus crucified, and he put this sign over his head. And it says, and this is the accusation. He is, this is the king of the Jews, right? This was the accusation. Jesus, king of the Jews. The word in the Greek for accusation means complaint, criminal charge, condemnation, damnation, and judgment. So we get this sense of accusation is fault-finding, blaming, complaining, bringing charges, and this is what Satan is doing night and day and day and night. He's got a list of things to say about me. He's got a list of things to say about you, and he wants to stand before God every day. But you know, that's not where he stops. He also accuses God to you and to me, and he accuses us to one another, and he accuses us to our own selves. But he is the accuser. And when you, we find this thing is so prevalent in the earth. And it's time for us to begin to discern the voice of the accuser. That's not God, so that we can properly deal with it. Let me ask you, do you feel accused? Do you feel like a failure? You felt like the sick one, the weak one, the rejected one, the abandoned one? Do you feel like, you know, that you're, you're, you're dumb? I mean, have you look in the mirror, you call yourself dumb? 
or stupid or worthless. Folks, that is a spirit of an accuser that's working against you. When you look in the mirror, do you think, oh, what a gorgeous hunk of dust? Or are you looking in the mirror and finding fault with the person that is standing there looking back at you? You know, most people find fault with themselves. You know what? Finding fault is not a gift of the Spirit. It's something that, it, that is a work of the enemy. So understand why does accusation come, but it's to cause separation. When an accusing spirit comes, it's trying to bring separation between us and God. Accusing us to God. To separate us from God's love. To separate us from His truth, from His word, from His person. Accusing. How many of you have ever heard the voice of the accuser condemn God to you? God won't forgive you. God won't take care of you. God won't heal you. God won't deliver you. You know, what is He trying to do? He's trying to separate us from God. God will never forgive you. You've messed up too bad now. That is just a work of the enemy trying to bring separation. Also, the accuser tries to separate us from ourselves, telling you bad things about yourself. You're a failure. You're worthless. You're no good. You're a joke. You're a loser. These are words of accusation trying to get you so that you will not fulfill the destiny that God has chosen for you trying to get you off track from your destiny and your calling. Because if you don't believe that you are who God says you are, how are you going to fulfill your destiny on the earth? God calls you mighty man of war. God calls you more than a conqueror. God says you're accepted in the beloved. But when we have those accusing spirits coming at us, they're telling us everything but that. And it causes us not to have faith and not to have boldness. Isn't that true? Causes you to back off and you start asking, well, who am I? Well, who am I? Well, I don't have it together. They should get somebody else. Okay? I'm not worthy. Those are thoughts of accusation. Accusing spirits also seek to cause separation from us and other people. To to bring separation into families, bring separation into our friends and the body of Christ. I've seen friendships destroyed by spirits of accusation, haven't you? Seen marriages destroyed by spirits of accusation. Just because a spirit got in there and began to lay the blame and find the fault and nobody tore it down. And those words wounded and they were received. We're living in a time when children accuse their parents. We see it all the time. Children accusing their parents. Well, you didn't do this right by me and you didn't do that right by me. And you're a terrible mother and you're a terrible father. We see that kind of thing all the time. We also see husbands and wives pointing the finger at each other. You know, well, it's all your fault. Well, if you do this, well, if you do that, those are nothing but accusation. And what's the purpose of it? It's to cause separation. It's to cause, to split us up. You see, God's all about unity and pulling us together. The devil's all about dividing us and separating us and isolating us. Let's look at the book of of, um, Genesis chapter 3. Folks, when we are listening to... To spirits of accusation. We've forgotten the scripture that says in Ephesians 6.12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Isn't that right? But what happens when we get caught up into listening to accusation, we think we are wrestling with flesh and blood. Say, I'd be fine if it wasn't for her. I'd be fine if it wasn't for him. That's spirits of accusation. You know what? The devil loves to play, you know, camouflage. And to be in disguise. 
and to inspire words that are spoken, but then nobody recognizes the root of it. The same thing happened. Remember when Jesus is talking to Peter and tells Peter, he says, who do men say that I am? Peter says, you are the son of God, the Christ. And he says, Jesus tells him, that's right. You've got a revelation you heard from God. Father revealed that to you. And then a few minutes later, Peter is saying, you better not go to the cross. You shouldn't do that. And then what does Jesus turn around and point the finger and said, get thee behind me, Satan. You know, Peter did not know he was speaking Satan's words. He didn't know he's speaking God's words. He thought those were his thoughts. And you see, it's just the Satan is working to put his thoughts to come out of our mouths so we will accuse one another. Folks, it's your, your spouse, your parent, your pastor, your boss, they're not your problem. Your problem is spirits of accusation. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. You've got maybe people listening to that stuff. They're operating in sin, but we're not to wrestle with them. We're to deal with the principalities, the powers, and the rulers of the darkness of this world, the Bible says. So let's look at Genesis chapter 3 and look at how this stuff started out. Genesis, the book of beginnings. In chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You will surely not die, for God knows that in the days you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Here's the first accusation. What's he doing? The serpent is accusing, Satan through the mouth of the serpent, is accusing God of withholding something good from Adam and Eve. The same thing happens to us today. He comes and accuses us and says, God won't do it for you. He won't come through for you. He doesn't want to come through for you. It's a spirit of accusation against the integrity and the heart of God. You know, the Bible teaches us that God is generous, that he loves us so much he gave his only son. Isn't that right? The Bible teaches us that he withholds no good things to those that love him and call upon his name. And so the devil is the one that accuses and says that God will withhold from us. Well, you know, leave, uh, you know Eve obviously believed it because she thought, well, hmm, i got to get me some of that stuff. I mean, if he's trying to hold it back from me, it must be something good to have. And so as you know the story, she went and she took of the fruit. Now let's look down at what happened after she and Adam have eaten and God confronts them in verse 12. The man says, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. Is that true? Absolutely true. The woman that God gave him did give him the fruit and he ate it. This is true facts. You know, a spirit of accusation can come with true facts, but it's the tone of voice. Because I don't think Adam said, "Um, you know, well, the, the woman you gave me, she gave me the fruit. I ate it. I don't think his tongue was like that. I think his tongue was that woman that you gave me. She ate the fruit. I had to eat it. You know, it was a tone of accusation. Hear what I'm saying? You see, the words can be true, but it's the tone behind it. There's a spirit of accusation behind it. So Adam goes first, and then what's Eve do? Ah, It's a serpent. 
The truth was the serpent did deceive her, and she ate. But I think that same spirit of accusation came out in her, and she said, the serpent, that one right there, he did it, he did it. Pointing the finger and blame spirits of accusation. Folks, this stuff has been going on since the Garden of Eden. Isn't that right? What should Adam have said instead? Instead of accusing his wife, what should he have said is take responsibility like a man and say, you know what, God, you're right. I disobeyed you and I ate. You know, instead of pointing the finger at his wife, why didn't he just stand there like a man and just take authority, I mean responsibility, for his own action, right? But isn't that human nature? I mean, isn't that the tendency is we see it in children. What happens? Who broke the lamp? Well, Tommy did it. Or Tommy made me. You know, we, we hear that from little kids. We did all that stuff as kids growing up. It's a spirit of accusation. You know, one of the things that we're working on developing in Christian character is to get us to quit pointing the finger at one another and take responsibility for our part. You know, the truth is we live in a society that let's just blame everybody, right? Let's just blame everybody. Blame the Democrats, blame the Republicans, blame the president, blame the pastors, blame the system, blame the church, blame the media, blame, I mean, it's everywhere. And we live in a society where people are taught to blame their parents. Anything wrong with you has got to be your mama's fault. It's what society teaches, you know. And it's, you know, what we need to do is develop people, and we're doing that here, who will say, it doesn't matter the cards I was dealt These were my choices. I'm responsible for what I decided to do. You know, you and I didn't get to choose the family that we were born into. into. There are many circumstances of life that we did not choose. Many of us are dealing with situations that we just soon not be having to deal with right now. Some of us are dealing with things because of other people's sin, other people's problems, and now we're having to deal with a mess, right? You know, we've seen this happen over and over. So, spirits of accusation are coming to try to separate us from one another. Well, instead of joining in with them and accusing one another, let's just take responsibility for our own behavior and not implicate everybody else, you know? You know, the mob cried out, crucify him, crucify him, you know? We didn't try to find somebody who would speak against against the mob you know so much of the time people they just say well everybody was doing it it was peer pressure everybody said well everybody did you know this happens sometimes in churches somebody comes to complaint they complain to one of the leaders of the churches well you know everybody got offended I had people try that on me a time or two I want names if you come to me and you say well Donna you offended everybody everybody says I'm like give me names oh I can't tell you who coward If you're not going to tell me who, then don't go blanket everybody. Because you know what usually it is? It's usually one person. There is no everybody. It's one person. (laughs) It's really true. But why do they say that? It's because they're trying to drag somebody else in so that their position appears stronger. It's accusing spirits. You know, we we don't tolerate that kind of stuff. And you know what? Darkness does not like to be exposed. And people will get upset when you start questioning them on things like that. But this is how we need to learn to discern the truth and to grow up and get past this stuff. Isn't that right? We're not tolerating spirits of accusation here. You know, the Bible teaches us, if you've got a problem with somebody, go to them yourself, right? You don't go call ten of your best friends and tell them. 
Because then what are we doing? We're spreading all that accusatory stuff, right? We're not going to be found working in cooperation with the devil. Amen. Amen. All right, we want to learn to identify spirits of accusation. Now, sometimes people get confused because they've not understood the difference between Holy Spirit conviction and condemnation that comes from the devil. There's a very clear and easy to understand distinction. Distinction. How do you know that when you and I do wrong, Holy Spirit is there to convict? When Holy Spirit convicts, you know exactly what you did. Absolutely no question whatsoever. You shouldn't have lied to the blah, blah, whoever. What you shouldn't have taken, you shouldn't have said. You know exactly the specific incident, and it'll play before your mind in technicolor, right? And you'll know exactly what was said and what was done. When the Holy Spirit convicts, he points out this the specific incident, but it also, with that, there is a heart that I want to make it right. Your heart, when you're convicted, is I want to make this right with God. And Holy Spirit conviction brings with it a desire to connect with God because you can't stand it because you're convicted. I know I was wrong. I got to get rid of this sin. I got to get rid of this thing. I hate the way I feel. I hate what I did. I've got to get clean, right? That's Holy Spirit conviction because Holy Spirit is after redemption. He's after forgiving and bringing people back home again. All right. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. All right. But condemnation is vague. Condemnation is a general bad feeling with no specifics in mind. It brings feelings of unworthiness and it brings feelings of wanting to give up and it drives you away from God. Condemnation makes you hang your head and avoid godly people, avoid church, avoid reading your Bible. Why? Because it's accusing spirits that are seeking to divide you. You know, condemnation, understand, that's not God. It's a work of the enemy seeking to divide you so you can't tolerate it. When you are feeling unworthy and you're feeling like, I just got to get out of here and I'm not good enough for those people. I'm a hypocrite. I'm this, I'm that. Understand that is not your thought. That is not God's thought. That is the thought of your accuser. And those things need to not be tolerated and listened to. You know what? God hates that accusation. And he hates to watch you and me hurt and wounded by spirits of accusation. You know what's the truth? Your sin is none of the devil's business. It's none of his business. When you mess up, run to God. Holy Spirit is right there to convict you. He's saying, come on, get it right, get it right. Let's get you healed. Let's get you delivered. Let's get you clean again. Holy Spirit is drawing you to himself. And Jesus' blood is there to forgive you and to cleanse you. God is after restoring relationship. The part of you that cries out, I can't stand this thing. I hate the way it makes me feel. I got to get right. That is God moving you, wanting to heal you and bring you home. God's the heart of the father waiting for the prodigals to come home. It's the accusing spirits that try to drive you away and try to get you to feeling unworthy and like I'm just going to give up. This Christian life is too hard for me. I can't do this. Folks, that's not God. Accusation is a sin. We understand that. Accusation is a sin. When you and I participate with accusing spirits, we get 
we listen to accusing spirits. Let's say an accusing spirit wants to come and comment to you about your friend and tries to tell you, you know, they just got an attitude. You know, they're just, they're just, you know, so touchy and so insensitive. You just need to just, you know, I bet you they just got it in for you. And accusing spirits will come in and say all kinds of nasty, evil things about the people that you love, right? When those things come, if we receive that, then what we're saying is that God is not needed in this situation. I have my mind made up. I can tell you I am discerning by the spirit. I had somebody with a spirit of accusation tell me they were discerning. There's a big difference. An accuser is always looking for fault, you know. A discerner is somebody not looking for fault but looking for redemption, looking to fix the thing, you know. But when people are susceptible to the accusation, they decide what's right and what's wrong for other people. You shouldn't do this and you should do that. And there's an accusatory tone to it. And then when they've got their opinion about what you should be doing or should not be doing, they're going to go tell everybody they know, well, I think she should do this. I think you should do that. You know, that's accusing. How many times have we heard this in a difficult family situation where we've had trouble, there's friction inside the home, and everybody's got an opinion on what should be done in that situation? Well, I just think he's a jerk and you ought to divorce him. That is a spirit of accusation, you know. Well, I just think she'll never change. It's a spirit of accusation. But when you and I listen to that, we sin because we have entered into judge and jury. You know, the truth is only God sees a heart. You and I judge by the outward appearance, but God knows what's going on inside of another person. And we don't know what's going on inside of them. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 8.1, Knowledge makes arrogant but love edifies. Knowledge makes arrogant. You know, I don't like to get around a bunch of people that they know what everybody in the world should be doing. They got an opinion on everybody in the world, how they should be living their lives. You know, I used to tell my kids growing up, when they were growing up, mind your own business, it's a full-time job. It is. It's a full-time job. Mind your own business. And we have found more and more that as we've been counseling people, you know what we found out is people do what they want. They really do exactly what they want to do. So I don't tell people what to do anymore. I quit years ago. We've had a conversation about this. I just quit telling people what to do. You know, I raise my kids. I'm done, <laughs> you know. And what we'll do is somebody will say, well, this is my problem. This is my situation. I'll say, okay, here are their options. A, you can do this. Obviously, you may not want to do A, but it is an option. B, you could do this. You may not want to do that, but it is an option. C, D, until I can't think any more options. And then I'll say, okay, there's your choices. And they'll pick one. And sometimes I don't like the one they pick, but you know what? That's their deal. Not going to tell them what to do. And you know what? They got to work out their own salvation with God. You know, I can advise. I can counsel. I can say, now, if you do, you do have the choice. For example, one time... I was counseling somebody who, um, who was dealing with a wayward son, a wayward child. And I said, well, these are your options. One of your options is you can lock them out of the house. How do you know that is an option? It may not be one you want to do, but it's an option. And I said, now, if you lock him out of the house, these are some possible results of that. 
consequences. So you get to weigh and decide, is this what I want to do or not, right? I just assume, let's just give people options. You know, and counsel as the best that we know how. But we're not deciding for other people what's right and what's wrong. We're not deciding. I mean, sometimes I have felt in my heart, I feel this person's making a mistake. And sometimes I've, you know, been in a position to where they've asked me and I've told them. You know, I feel like if people ask, they want to know. So if they ask me, do you think I'm making a mistake? If I think they are, I will tell them. I, I don't think that's the best choices you can make, you know. But when it comes down to it, we're individuals. You know, more and more, it's just like people got to work out their own stuff. And they're going to anyway. So we have to let people go and not give in to accusing spirits and listening to them and judging them for what they've done or not done. Accusation will work in your mind. It will replay and rehash words and situations. You know, you have a, an event to where somebody hurt your feelings or made you mad, and then you go away from that place, and you think about it again and again and for days. And we've all seen people that could not let go of a situation that was on their mind all the time. They just kept hearing what that person said or kept seeing what that person did over and over. Do you know, that's not God. When God forgives a sin, what does the Bible say he does? He puts it as far as the east is from the west, right? It's cast into the sea of forgetfulness. God doesn't bring up things and rehash them. Aren't you glad? Praise God. Aren't you glad God's not bringing up to you what you did last year? What you did 10 years ago? I'm thankful that stuff's forgotten. I still remember it, but God has forgotten it, right? So our heart is also that, you know, the enemy is the one who stands accusing before God. Do you know what they did last week? Do you know what they said last year? Do you know what they did? That's a spirit of accusation coming before God Almighty. So we can see that when we are listening to ourselves rehearse that same bad situation over and over, it's like picking at a scab, you know? It's never going to heal. We're going to keep picking at it, picking at it. And what's happening? We're not acting like God. We're dredging up the past one more time, digging at it one more time. Folks, some things we just need to get forgiveness for, and move on with your lives. Some of you guys are going to have to let God forgive you. Please. I've seen people that they felt so bad about what they did, they would not let God forgive them in their minds. And so they would pray forgiveness 10 times, 20 times, 30 times. Look, once is enough. And then he will forgive. Folks, it's time for us to know and believe the love that God has for us and to actually act like people who have been forgiven. You need to act forgiven. How do you feel when you feel guilty? You're dragging around, you feel condemned, and you're hanging your head, and, oh, I know you don't you know, like me so much anymore because of what I did. I know you don't trust me so much because of what I did. That's feeling condemned and guilty. But if we act like we're forgiven, it can even make the devil mad. Don't you feel a little bit bad about that? Don't you just have a little bit of regret? I think we need to act like the blood of Jesus covers our sins. And walk free of these things and not allow ourselves to be beat up. Hallelujah. Accusation may come against you and make you feel like a victim. It may, those spirits may talk to you and make you feel that you are a victim. That things never work out for you. Everybody's always picking on you. Things always work for everybody except for you. These are accusing spirits. It's certainly not the heart of God. 
some of the fruits of accusation. If accusation's got a hold on, on you, there's going to be some evidence of that going on in your life. Some evidence of accusation are holding a record of wrongs. If every time you see that person, you can remember the last 10 things that they said to hurt you and the last bad things they did. If you've got holding a record of wrongs, that is accusation at work within you. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that love does not keep a record of wrongs. Isn't that right? But if you're keeping a record, well, there they go for the fifth time, for the sixth time, for the seventh time. You've done it to me seven times already. Folks, that's even not you, but that's a spirit of accusation. Another fruit of accusation is murder with the tongue, gossip and slander, tearing people down, accusing them one to another or accusing them to yourself. Another fruit is mind control, to where this thing is in your mind and all you're being flooded with accusing thoughts. Maybe you accuse yourself all the time. You tell yourself you're a failure and you're a loser and you never should have made this mistake and you always do the wrong thing. This is something that can consume your thought process to where your mind is being trained to work in certain negative paths. Another thought, uh, another fruit of accusation is scrambling your thoughts. It causes, it's like jamming radar where you can't think clearly because these these accusing thoughts keep coming in and confusing the way that your mind is working. Also, jumbled thought patterns. Because you're not able to have a sound mind, a calm mind, but instead there's all this unnecessary static coming in. There's an undercurrent coming in of accusation. Misunderstandings are also fruits of accusation. What happens when we have a misunderstanding? It means somebody didn't understand, right? Somebody didn't understand. Very simple. But when misunderstandings happen between people, somebody gets their feelings hurt. Somebody gets offended, don't they? In misunderstandings. There are sometimes the devil sets you up to where you deliberately mishear or the person you're talking to does not hear. Does not hear what you said. And it's amazing to me how sometimes somebody will think I said something. There's no way I said that. And I have witnesses to confirm it. But they thought I said something accusatory toward them. You know, that is devils at work. I've often said communication keeps the devil out of our business. Because when we have confused communication and we've got misunderstanding, if we're not talking about these things, we're making more room for accusations to come. Okay? Another fruit of accusation is projected fear. Projected fear. To where you're walking into a situation and it reminds you of the last situation. And then the fear from that negative thing is projected into the current. It can be a thing just like this. Years ago, there was a woman who had... Um, she had offended me. She had hurt my feelings. And she had, a, she had kind of judged and accused me of something. I felt like I was, had been mistreated. Well, a couple of years later, I moved to a different state. And I met another woman who was also a Christian woman in leadership. This woman was about the same age. She was the same personality. There was a lot that was similar. I found myself projecting the fear 
onto this new person that she would treat me the same way this previous person had treated me. You know, and when I realized what was going on, I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? And I confessed it to her. And I said, I have been afraid that you were going to judge me and hurt me the same way this other woman did a couple years ago. And she was able to be so gracious to me. She opened her heart to me and she said, well, that's not even crossed my mind. I don't even feel that way at all. And I was, it was able to diffuse the whole thing. But you see, it was a spirit of accusation had come in to torment me to say this new person is going to cause you problems like the last person did. All right. Another fruit of accusation. Accusing another in your own sin. Oh my goodness. Anybody remember the scandal of Jimmy Swaggart? Okay, for those of you who don't, Jimmy Swaggart was a famous evangelist. And he began to preach hard against sexual sins. He was discovered consorting with prostitutes, disgraced, and brought his ministry down. He was accusing, he was preaching so hard... There was no grace. There was no love in his messages. It was all hellfire, brimstone, judgment. And probably the way he was doing that was because he was struggling so strong inside, trying to get victory over that thing, fighting it so hard, but it was coming out in judgment when he would preach. Well, he he fell apart because of it, you know. It was something he was currently involved in at the time. He was trying to get free. And sometimes that's what we have done. We have accused other people of the very thing that we are guilty of. Now, you may have heard this, but what it used to be said, don't point the finger because you point one. You got one pointing that way and three fingers pointing back at you. Okay. Pointing the finger. When I was a kid, my brother and I used to butt heads all the time. You know, and we would fight. I mean, like cats and dogs, my brother and I. And we would make each other so angry. And my mom said to us, the reason you fight is because you're so much alike. I hated that when she said that because I did not want to be like him because he made me so mad. But the truth is, we were just alike. And we are just alike, and we're very close friends now. We don't fight anymore. But we, I mean, now we laugh about it that we're so much alike. Oh, you're so much alike. I think the same thing. I agree with you. You're right. You're right. It's so much fun. But back then, we would accuse each other of the very thing that we were doing. You know, I'd call him a name and he'd call me a similar name. And we thought the same thing. And we had the same bad opinion of each other. (laughs) And now we have the same wonderful opinion of each other. So it's all good. (laughs) Another fruit of accusation is false burden bearing. Sometimes... This false burden bearing gets a hold of a person and they feel responsible for everybody else's happiness or everybody else's unhappiness. Folks, you are not God. I'll break it to you, Revelation. You know what? I learned a long time ago I could not make everybody happy. There are some people even Jesus can't please, isn't that right? Some people you cannot make them happy. And I'm not responsible for your happiness whatsoever. I'm really not. You can be sitting there really miserable, really unhappy, really upset. It's not my fault. It's your fault. (laughs) It's your fault, not my fault. Because you know what? It doesn't matter what I say or do. Happiness is a choice. It is a choice. Nobody likes to hear that when you're not feeling happy. But the truth is, I'm not responsible for how you're feeling. 
It's your reaction to whatever's going on. You know, you think about it, it's the same boiling water. If you put a carrot, it'll soften it. If you put an egg in there, it'll harden it, right? The same hot sun, if you put a stick of butter outside, it's going to melt. If you put clay outside, it's going to harden. It's not the stimulus. It's what's happening on the inside of us. That's determining what's going on. False burden bearing is when people feel that if you're not happy, that I'm doing something wrong. A lot of times women get into this. Mothers get into this. Some mothers feel like it's their job to make sure everybody in the family is happy. I'm telling you, I've been there. Feeling like it was my responsibility to make sure everybody was happy. Do you know what that is? Codependent. That is not healthy. Because I, I, people have got to grow up and be responsible for their own behavior. Is that right? That's going to set somebody free tonight. Hallelujah. You're just responsible for you. Now, we are responsible to live Christ-like, to be kind to people. But you know what? People have idols in their hearts. And people decide that you should treat me this way, you should do this for me, you should, you should. And they didn't bother to tell you the script. You don't know. You don't know what their, act, their expectations are. You know? That's called idolatry. You know, the Sanfords teach a wonderful lesson on um, idolatry as, as it relates to love. And do you know that, um, for example, they, till, they give an illustration of Someone who, when they were sick as a child, their mother waited on them hand and foot and was a very doting mother. This person grew up believing, if you love me, you'll wait on me hand and foot when I don't feel good. Well, they generally marry somebody who, when they were not feeling good as a child, their mom said, well, here, here's the aspirin, here's the thing, go get some rest and come out when you feel better. And so then their, their understanding of what love is, love is... I believe, you know, I can take care of myself. It'll be okay. I'm not going to bother people. And those people usually marry each other. And so you have the one person get sick, and they're expecting their spouse to dote and wait on them hand and foot. Well, the spouse doesn't know that. They're just behaving like they were raised. Because, you know, however you were raised, that was normal. That's what you considered normal, however you were raised. And so you're just thinking, well, I don't think so. And then they're all mad and offended at you for something you didn't even know you did wrong. That's because there's idolatry in the heart. When we decide what love is, if you loved me, you'd blah, blah, blah. Folks, that's manipulation and control. What does the Bible say that love is? Love is kind. Love is patient. Love's not touchy. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Love lets people have freedom. Love does not insist upon its own way. That's a good place to preach, but not tonight. All right. Another example of accusation, becoming codependent in another sin by acting as their Holy Spirit. <laughs> Boy, we're good at this sometimes. Many women have to learn to not be the Holy Spirit for their husbands, particularly their unsaved husbands. I learned a long time ago that didn't work. A long time ago. I married somebody as strong-willed as I am. And so if I tried to coerce and manipulate by telling him what God said and he ought to do this and making him feel bad and trying to convict him, folks, that's not healthy, that's codependent, that's me trying to be God, trying to be Holy Spirit. 
It's not our job to convict people of sin. It's Holy Spirit's job to convict them of sin. We can tell them what the Word says. We can tell them what's right and what's wrong. But when it's up to them, for, it's, it's not up to us to make people feel guilty. Hello. If we're making people feel guilty, that's called manipulation and it's a spirit of accusation. See, God is the one to convict people of what they're doing wrong. We can confront, we can tell them, you hurt my feelings. I think that you, you know, you mistreated me. I think you shouldn't have done this or whatever. You can confront in love. The Bible does say to speak the truth in love. But we're not here to beat them over the head and make them feel guilty. And so many times, you know, we, we've seen it in many families. So in certain cultures, it seems to be, you know, you've got the, the matriarchal system. Some of them are, you know, the, the women are strong-willed and they're going to make all the people feel guilty. You didn't call me. Why didn't you this? Why didn't you that? And there's sometimes that stuff goes on for generations and generations. You know, you know the Bible says that, that a man's supposed to leave his father and mother and cleave only to his wife. And there are a lot of husbands that are being jerked around by their mothers. You know, when your kids grow up, they're grown up. <laughs> they're grown up. And that means they're responsible before God, you know. And yes, we want to honor our parents, but we can't give in to that control, control and manipulation. You know, when you get free, people do not like it. There are certain people that will not be happy if you are free. But I'd rather be free because I can't make them all happy anyway. All right. Accusation wants you to store all of the emotional hurts along with the accusing words. So not only do we have the words, but we got to have that sandpaper going on the wound to where we're hurting. There's pain on the inside. And every time we hear that, it hurts us one more time. Because what's going to happen? It's going to go into your long-term memory bank, remember? And then if something goes into your long-term memory bank, it becomes a part of your physiology and then when the moment's right, that little spirit of self-pity will just pull that thing right back up into your memory and have a nice little heyday, nice little party. Now, where does self-pity get involved? Because you gave it a lot of accusation to work with. You gave it a lot of things to work with. It's got a lot of fuel there. So it's just bringing you up. Well, remember that bad thing happened and this bad thing happened and this happened and that happened. And before you know it, you feel sorry for yourself. If we fill our long-term memory with evil and with memories of sin, there will always be fuel for accusation. How many think it's time to get rid of accusation that we don't need to have anything to do with us? Not against God, not against ourselves, not against one another. Now, some of the possible physical things that can happen as a result of accusation are tinnitus, you know, problem with ringing the ears, eye problems, which I found really interesting. Doesn't the Bible talk about the evil eye? Isn't that interesting that if we're looking evilly at somebody else, we can actually wind up with eye problems because of accusation? Also, did you know, it's, I found it interesting that problems with your tongue can come because of accusation. When I was a kid and we grew up, you ever get one of those little white sore bumps on your tongue? I don't know what they called them in your house, but in my house called them lie bumps. They said you told a lie. That's right. They said, you told a lie. And so you get this little sore place in your tongue. So I found it interesting that accusation can be behind tongue problems and eye problems. Isn't that funny? Sad funny. I mean, you know, ha-ha, whatever. But <laughs> I mean, just like, oh, too bad. 
Another thing, accusation can be a problem behind neck and back pain as well. Now, as I've said, when I bring up possible physical problems, I'm not pointing the finger. I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I'm trying to bring things to the light so that you you and I can deal with this stuff and get over it and get free and help somebody else too, okay? Everybody here is a work in progress. We've all got stuff we're working on. So please do not feel condemned or accused if I bring up these types of issues, okay? All right, let's look at Hebrews chapter 5. Folks, there is victory. There is victory over accusing spirits. Hallelujah. We read in Revelation where the accuser of the brethren has been cast down. And he is going to continue to be cast down out of my life and out of your life. In Hebrews chapter 5, let's start with verse 12. It says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice had their senses trained to discern good and evil. We need to discern the lies of accusation. Discern them and not receive them and not live in them any longer. It is childish to receive accusation and to live in it. Think about it. The example I gave earlier, it's small children that will accuse one another. Tommy did it, or he made me. You know, that's not a mature attitude, and God wants us to grow up into maturity. We have a choice in whom and what we will believe. And I don't care what the Spirit has been telling you and stirring up hurt feelings and telling you it's bad, you know, that God doesn't love you, He won't forgive you, you're worthless, you're a loser, things don't work out for you, nobody loves you, everybody hates you. No matter what kind of accusation is coming against you, you don't have to believe it. You can choose not to believe it. You can decide instead, I'm not going to believe that because that doesn't sound like my father. I'm not going to believe that because that doesn't sound like love. It doesn't sound like the Word of God. I don't care what it looks like on the surface. I'm not going to believe it. I'm going to do like 1 Corinthians 13 and believe the best. I'm going to believe the best about Father God. I'm going to believe the best about my brothers and sisters, my family. I'm going to believe the best about myself because that is what walking in love is. Amen. Amen. Accusation feels right at home with bitterness. It loves bitterness. It loves envy and jealousy. It loves unloving spirits. It loves occultism, and it absolutely loves fear. So those spirits of accusation, they're going to look for buddies, look for fears to tap into, to work together with. Looking for unloving spirits to work together with, for jealousy, for envy to work together with, and bitterness. Because when there comes accusation, that also means there's a judgment that has happened. If you accuse somebody else of wrongdoing, you first of all have made a judgment in your heart. Isn't that right? When you first of all think, well, he's so stuck up, you've already judged. There's a judgment. Well, she's so rude. See, you've made a judgment in your heart. So the accusation is always rooted right there also with bitterness. So when we deal with accusation, we're going to be dealing with bitterness one more time. The Bible says in James 4, 
7 to 10, Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. We're going to run to God with our guilt and we're going to replace all those lies with God's truth. We're going to replace them. We're going to choose to believe God's word by submitting to his, his word, submitting to his truth. You know what? There are times the devil tries so hard to get you to believe something contrary to what God has said. He works overtime. But you and I are going to choose to believe God's word and demonstrate that we are submissive and obedient to him. Amen. Amen. I want you to just look at one more scripture. Romans chapter 8, please. This is the last scripture we're going to look at. Then we're going to do some ministry. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. You know, if you and I have, are finding ourselves guilty of cooperating with accusation, even if it's just judging yourself and getting down on yourself, I want to encourage you. I'm not here. God's not here to condemn you. We're just going to take care of it. That's all. We're going to repent it, repent, renounce it, and take care of it. Praise God. Romans 8, 31. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? I mean, come on. Do those spirits of accusation have anything to stand on? If God's for us, who cares what the devil says? Who cares? If Satan stands before God day and night and accuses us, who cares as long as God has forgiven us? See, his opinion is the one that counts. His opinion counts more than yours or mine, and certainly more than the devil's. Verse 32, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather who was raised who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. See, God's not forgiving. God's not condemning you. Jesus is not condemning you. He's praying for you. Mm-hmm. Praise God, He's praying for you. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Verse 35. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake, we're being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced, we need to be convinced, amen, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me ask you, folks, is there any accusation in your heart towards anybody? Anybody's name, if I brought their name up, would there be something on the inside of you that wants to accuse them? Maybe there's nobody that comes to mind right now. Maybe it's not your mom, your dad, your pastor, your spouse, your child, your coworker, your parent, your neighbor. But maybe... The person that you condemn the most is yourself. Is there accusation in your heart toward your own self? Because of the mistakes you've made, 
because of what you have believed about your worth? Are there, is there accusation against yourself? Let us have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. You know, Christ Jesus is not condemning us. He's praying for us. So you know what? If God, who knows my heart, and who knows it far better than I do, if He's not condemning me, then what right do I have to condemn myself? If Christ Jesus, who died for me, who sees everything absolutely perfectly clearly, does not judge and condemn me, then who's, who am I to judge and condemn myself? Praise God for salvation, folks. We've got to get Christians to believe in the blood. You know, believe in the blood of Jesus for salvation. I believe it's time for us to break agreement with spirits of accusation. You know what? I don't want to believe what the devil wants to tell me about you. I don't care what the devil tells me about you. We don't believe that stuff. We cast that stuff down, right? We don't receive it. I'm not going to believe what the devil tells me about God. I'm not going to believe what he tells me about myself. We're going to believe what God's word says. We're going to believe the best about one another. Give ourselves a break. Give each other a break. In Jesus' name. All right, folks, you can close your books and your Bible. How many of you would acknowledge that the spirits of accusation have been in your life? And they have been in your family line. Can you look around your family tree? You don't have to look very far, do you? Accusation's there, isn't it? So therefore... We're only going to take responsibility for ourselves and also as representatives of our families. You know, we're going to do like Daniel and intercede and minister on behalf of ourselves, but also our family line. Because we want to be righteous before God and want to break these things off our descendants as well. In Jesus' name. Those accusing spirits need to just be run out of town. All right. So would you pray this with me? We're going to just go through some lists. We're just breaking agreement with these things, all right? Because we don't want any of this stuff going on. Father God, I take responsibility in my generations on both sides of my family for accusation. And I renounce it. I repent and renounce accusation towards God, myself, and others. and others. I repent and renounce, I repent and renounce. Bitterness, with bitterness with all its underlings. I repent and renounce, I repent and renounce. Offense. offense, rebellion, rebellion. Control. control, manipulation. manipulation. I, repent I repent and renounce personality of accusation, personality of accusation. and comparing myself to others. I repent and renounce renounce. competition, Competition. replay, Replay. suspicion, Suspicion. judging others, others. misunderstanding, Misunderstanding. perfectionism, Perfectionism. destroyer, Destroyer. racism. Racism. I repent and renounce renounce. envy and jealousy, jealousy. scapegoat, Scapegoat. Unworthiness. unworthiness, shame, Guilt, Guilt. isolation, Isolation. division, Division. self-pity, fear, Fear. deceit, Deceit. lying, Lying. and torment. torment. I ask for forgiveness forgiveness. and that the curse be canceled canceled. in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Nazareth. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
All right. And if you would, just eyes up front, please. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I set aside the strong man of accusation. I take authority over and I cast out accusation towards God, self, and others. I act. I come against and cast out spirits of bitterness with all of its underlings. I come against spirits of offense and rebellion and control. I command you to go from this people now in the name of Jesus. I come against spirits of manipulation, personality of accusation, comparing myself to others. I cast you out in Jesus' name. I cast out spirits of competition, spirits of replay, suspicion, judging others, misunderstanding, perfectionism, destroyer, Racism, envy and jealousy, scapegoat, unworthiness, shame, guilt, isolation, division, self-pity. Self-pity has got to go in Jesus' name. There is no room for self-pity in this people. In Jesus' name. I command spirits of fear to leave, spirits of deceit, lying and torment to go now in the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody take a breath. Okay. I cast out strong man of accusation. I tell you your house is desolate. I command you to loose this people and to go from them now in the name of Jesus Christ. All spirits of accusation will leave in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. The best deliverance is a boring deliverance. We just want them to go. Amen. All right. Is everybody feeling clear? Everybody feel okay? All right. How about we get, we get filled up fresh? Everybody lift up your hands, please. Father God, I ask for fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. I ask, Lord God, for the spirit of grace to be loose upon every one of us. Father, every place where there has been accusation, we add to be flooded, ask to be flooded with the peace, with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, to be flooded with the love of God in Jesus' name. Lord God, that we receive your love for ourselves, our love for you, for one another, in Jesus' name. And right now, Father God, I ask for healings. I ask for relief, Lord God, for eye problems, for tinnitus, Lord God, for tongue problems, for neck and back problems. I ask for relief, in Jesus' name. I lose creative miracles now, in the name of Jesus Christ. I ask for healing power to flow. Lord God, we are your people called by your name, been redeemed and cleansed by the precious blood. And we thank you, Lord God, for your mercies to us tonight. In Jesus' name, Lord, we receive healing. We receive our freedom tonight in Jesus' name. Accusation has no place in us. Hallelujah. No place in us any longer. Praise you, Lord God. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Now, Father, I also ask, Lord, that you would just cause our minds, quicken our minds to be renewed with the scriptures. The Lord God, that we have our minds renewed and we would see ourselves, you and one another, as you say in the scriptures. Hallelujah. We receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save our souls. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church, or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www.destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church, P.O. Box 15252, Chesapeake, Virginia, 23328. Thank you.